Hey, you're listening to Can I Say That? with Brenna and Austin Blaine. Hey guys, it's Brenna Blaine. This week on the show, we have a question that I think a lot of you guys have probably been wrestling with, especially when it comes to COVID and how COVID has kind of changed what church looks like for most of us. I would guess 98% of you who are listening have attended church online in some form over the last year. But this question really came up for me a few years ago when Judah Smith announced the idea of what is now called home church. It's essentially this concept of church services being streamed into different homes in different neighborhoods in different cities all across the world so that neighbors and people who go to school together can be their own home church but still have the speaking and pastoralship provided to them. And while there are obvious benefits that we can note from that, I also had a lot of questions like, man, are we supposed to be in a church where our pastors don't know our names or our families and we're not able to ask them questions and engage with them personally? But now many of us, no matter how we feel about those questions, have lived almost a whole year of attending church online. And that has created even more questions for me. Like, man, are we becoming apathetic to things we're not supposed to be apathetic about? Or are we catering to a group of people that we've completely missed in the past? And a few months ago, I started talking with Chris Cruz, probably because of COVID. We actually met on Instagram as I've met a lot of people in ministry at this point in time. And if you don't know Chris Cruz, he is on staff at Bethel as a young adults pastor as well as a creative director. And if you don't know anything about Bethel, One thing that stands out to a lot of people who know about them and their ministry, no matter how they feel about it, is that Bethel has a really big online presence. There are people all across the world who would tell you, I go to Bethel Church because they're able to log on on Sunday morning and attend a service online. And so I thought, man, Chris Cruz has got to have an interesting perspective on these questions. And he does. And he asks some really challenging and interesting questions back to us, the listeners, to consider when we're looking at online community and in-person, face-to-face community. So before we jump into this interview, if you love Can I Say That? and you want to support us, there are three really easy ways you can do that that are all for free. The first is if you are listening right now on Apple Podcasts, if you drop down and give us a kind review, that goes a long way. The second way is if you use social media, take a screenshot and post about, hey, this is what I'm listening today, and this is why I like to listen to the show. Make sure you tag us because we love to see those. And the third is unique to this month, the month of March, as well as through April 10th. You can vote for our show to be in the top 50 podcasts produced by moms. If you want to know how to vote for us, you can shoot us an email at canisaythatshow at gmail.com. Or if you follow us on Instagram, the link is in our bio and You can vote for us all three times in those three spaces, as well as you can come back every single day up until April 10th, and you can vote for us every single day. And here's the unique thing about that. The podcast that lands in the number one spot gets a full spread in a digital magazine. 
And I can't help but think how many people are going to read that magazine who have had difficult questions about faith and about who God is, and they might get to see our show in there and experience God in a way that they haven't before. And so I just like to ask you guys to consider doing that if this show has been beneficial to you in any way. Okay, so even before COVID shut down in-person gatherings, we started to see a rise in online churchgoers and platforms across the world. Essentially, I can worship, hear a sermon, and tithe all from my phone, which I think is insane. But my question is, is that really what Christ intended for his church? Easy consumption. Or are followers of Christ called to be in real face-to-face physical community. I think there's low-hanging fruit that we could attack that would be really easy to kind of just say this, this, or that. But I think the idea of like us just saying God isn't isn't interested in consumers. He's he hasn't been interested in consumers from the get-go, even when there was no technology to create like to create this kind of experience. God wasn't looking for people just to and it wasn't you couldn't be that way in church. You couldn't be a consumer when the early church started. Mm. You it was so costly to you that you couldn't casually um kind of walk your way into a Sunday service. It was it was quite a difficult experience at times to even remain a part of that community, but it was so otherworldly. You know, there's a book called um Destroyer of the Gods, uh, Christian Distinctiveness in a Roman World by, uh, I think it's Harry Lurtado. And he and he kind of just gives the distinctiveness of the early church and the vibrancy of that community, but also the intensity in which it required for you to remain part of that community and some of the remarkable things that they did that um, made it, it would make it impossible to be a consumer the way that people could articulate consumer Christianity today. And so God hasn't been for consumer Christianity since he started this thing. But I think the 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 low the that's the low hanging fruit of just kind of getting rid of the idea that God's not look God's not interested in consumers whether you intend in person or not. And I think what he's what we also have to realize is going all right as technology advances, the church has to engage with how do we authentically remain faithful to who we are and the witness we are meant to be in the world and embrace technology, but not let technology drive us, but embrace it so that we are not for the sake of relevancy, but so that the that we are actually moving forward in the time period that we're like, if the Bible, if the printing press didn't affect the church, whoa, where would we be? Where, where would we be if we didn't have the printing press? And so the idea of technological advancement affecting the church is not necessarily new, but it's each generation is responsible to figure out how are you going to engage with this in a way that remains authentic and remains um, uh, consistent with the thing you're trying to create with your church. And so I think it's super easy to be a consumer in, in person and online, but I think the the online experience is, is uh, for me, is this in COVID, it showed people were good for a bit. And I don't know if people are as good with it as they started. Uh, I'm not quite sure. But I think th- what I do see is worship is happening in ways that people will people will watch a worship experience, uh, a worship set at a church. And then they may not even continue to the message they because they're, they're hungry for something that sometimes these messages aren't delivering. 
And, and I think that's actually more about the encounter with God. And I think that even speaks to the teachers and the communicators recognizing uh, sometimes I think they can come from a high horse saying, this is what you need, rather than recognizing the deep longing and thirst within, inside of their people, which is a longing to encounter God. And that's why worship is getting streamed more than sermons are. Something that I think, you know, you might have a really unique outlook on because of Bethel and their ministry, and it's just so global, is that we know there are benefits to having online church as an option, especially now because of COVID. But is one of those benefits supposed to be allowing long-distance churchgoers, or do you think there's a strong argument for Christians to go to church in their own communities? Yes, both and. Uh, not if or, because if you could see some of these countries that get access to church, that wouldn't be impossible to meet in person in a way that they're doing right now, in the sense of just even the government doesn't isn't even for the Christian church, but yet they're watching church online and you're reading reaching the persecuted church in a way that you could never reach them before. So there's an element of these unreached places that, that can get access with streams and churches, people can watch this in their home that I think can be quickly overlooked. And I think some of the, when we were seeing some of these people who jump into our Zoom rooms when we do ministry time after some of our streams, they're hiding their faces because they're in countries that, that you can't even be known as a Christian. And they're hiding their faces on the Zoom because they're, they're afraid of what would happen. And they're watching the stream and you're going, this, this is insane that you are in a persecuted area that you are, th- your life is threatened, but the stream gives you access to being part of something that is larger than simply your local body. Because the idea is that the church is both a local body and a global movement. Like it's those things happen together. I think missions was a way for a, uh, for people to see that when churches had strong missions programs, people would see that we're a, a local body, but we have a global focus. Uh, and I think that's also changing, not just in how we do missions, but I think that's changing in how we do church, that we're not just a local body, but we're a global movement. So I think it's both and, and the idea that you're influencing a local real body of people. And those, if you can have an embodied spirituality, which is what we all need, you cannot escape that need. You cannot escape the need for you to be in fellowship with other people and if you can do it, like the persecuted church figures out a way to do it underground, right? If you can figure out how to be in person with people, that is a dream in the heart of God, that we would be able to gather with one another, that in the embrace of embodying the spirituality, that we would be the word made flesh to one another, that that would happen. I think that is in the heart of God. And in the heart of God is a reaching of the world. And so there's this both and, and so I think sometimes we could be thinking the only way to look about church is locally minded only, and then give up the fact that we're called to influence the world. But then at the same time, we can be so focused on the world that we can forget about embodying something locally. And so I think it's, I think a dualistic perspective would say it's one or the other, instead of embracing the reality of, no, it's to you, to you, to you, and to you, like the degrees that the scripture kind of communicates and acts that you're going to go your immediacy cross-culturally and globally with this message, technology has made that a little bit easier, but it also has created hurdles that we didn't intend for it to create. And I don't think the early church was without hurdles. I think that's why we have the New Testament. So you're trying to figure out this is the wrestling of practicing the way of Jesus in your context always has hurdles. 
always has something. If you're including people, it's going to have hurdles. And so I think we are looking to figure out how can you prize being with people, but not negate the reality that we live in a globalized world that through the internet, people can reach people in places they would never physically be. So that should never make it go, all right, you can just practice the way of Jesus without ever being with people. No, I don't think that's God's heart. I don't think that's what he wants long-term, but I do or don't want that to negate the reality of that. God sees this technological advancement that I think he had his hand in. I don't think we look at, you know, I'm not, I remember when people look at electric guitars and saying that was, that was the devil, you know, <laughs> like we don't get rid of AC or other technological advancements. What we do is we figure out how to use them properly. I want to stay on this for a moment because I just think you're speaking to something that I think a lot of people have already made their mind up about. But even for me, I'm just like, okay, man, you just made so many great points that I haven't even thought about. So with digital discipleship, let's call it that. Let's say, do you believe now that pastors, maybe not all pastors, but let's say a majority of pastors, especially pastors who are saying, hey, my sermon's online or our church is on Instagram, do they have a responsibility to learn how to influence and discipleship people well over media. It all depends on, for me, the idea is this, where is the world? It's in both of these locations. And you have to decide where you're going to invest your energy and where the Lord is speaking to you. Because some, for some reason, the pressure is just to throw up that we're on Instagram. But if you're not if you're not actually caring about it, you're just making noise there. And so it's realizing God's not interested in you just going, cool, we have a social presence. And we do digital things online and we we create some a couple of things for Instagram and we we tell people like you go watch our sermon on YouTube. I'm going, what if you were way more intentional with what you did online versus copy and pasting what you do in person and do not because there's some things you're never gonna get online that you would get in person. Laying on of hands, for example, cannot be done online. And so there's this element of going, we have these two, I mean, we've discovered some remarkable things. When it's R and D and you're not trying to nail down a philosophy before you proceed, but you engage with R and D research and development and you try to explore what God has in front of you versus making this philosophical stance before you even engage with something, I think that is a detriment to some people. They they made a decision on what they think about this versus exploring. I've both prayed for people to be healed over the internet. And you're like, how does that even work? You're not even in the same space. And I'm going, well, it, there's a verse where it says, Jesus sent out his word and it healed them. So you have this remarkable, not in the same location experience of the power of God, because Jesus believed that when he said something, something would happen in another location. So there's this idea that the online space can become this ministry opportunity if we can look beyond just copy and pasting what we do in person. Now, there's also the reality that you can't really lay hands on anybody online. It's it's not that's not something that's going to happen in that way unless they're watching in a communal setting where there's 10 people in the home and they're watching it there and they're creating their own church sort of experience with the stream, which in that you're going to have some elements of going, all right, where are you serving? What does serving look like amongst each other? If you're going to serve one another, if that's what you're going to call your 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 commitment to fellowship and your commitment to church, meaning church is not a service you attend. And I think that's the other element that gets mixed up in this is church isn't a service you attend. And that's when people are like, churches are closed. And I'm going, wait, 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 no, churches aren't closed. Serve- open services are closed. 
but churches aren't closed. The, the public service that would be on a Sunday is not accessible, but the church didn't close. We never closed. We were doing the work in the ministry of Jesus all through COVID, but we couldn't gather in a large gathering in our sanctuary. But that didn't mean we weren't still being the church. And so I think when you make church only the service, then I think you're already crippling yourself and your spiritual development and your growth, because then that's a whole other problem in general that I think is regardless of digital or not digital, that's a problem people have, period. And so the idea of pastors being in the media space, I say do it intentionally or or figure out some way to do it intentionally or assess how you can if you are going to be. And if you're not going to be on that space, don't throw stones that on those that have decided to intentionally engage with it. Decide to to say, you know what? There, this is the town square of our day. This is where you could get on a, uh, in the middle of town, like the way that you would read in, in Acts, where they would go to these places. This is a way for you to do that now. It's a legitimate location in which people's attention and affection are rooted in. And you're And if Christians abandon that, space, we're giving up an element of a place that God desires to renew people through. It's like saying, oh, the it's like when people would never let Christians into the film industry because they would say, that's an ungodly space. I think if we just abandon social media because it can be a distraction, it can be something harmful, I think we're giving up a space in which Jesus desires to encounter people. And so I think there is a, an intentionality that's missing, not a should we or should we do this? I'm going, are you going to do this with intentionality? Not are you going to do this? Like, how are you going to minister to people in this space? How are you going to actually bring something that moves their discipleship forward? Not just, all right, we created a piece of content. Let's do it. It's just a noise piece for us and gets lost in the scrolling endlessly of people. But a true, like, how are we actually going to disciple people, lead people and move them forward? with media, because it's part of our world, whether we like it or not. And going, that's a part of the intentionality that I think sometimes is missing, is thinking the goal is just to copy and paste your message there. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not opposed to people putting their YouTube messages. I'm like, that's not a problem for me. I'm going, when we are the church, we got to figure out how do we intentionally do this that leads them further and further into discipleship, because they're on it anyway. It's like telling people to ignore your emotions sometimes. They're like, well, I know I'm not going to talk to you about my emotions because they happen to me regardless, and you give me a bad rap about them. So I'm just not going to talk to you there. I'm just going to go do it somewhere else. Well, the reality is people are on social media, period. That's not going away. And if you're in the business of trying to reach people, quote unquote business, like meaning like if you're in the, if this is what you're called to do is reach people, you have to at least authentically ask yourself the question, how do I want to engage with this? That increases real discipleship across the board, not just online discipleship, but real discipleship in a person's life? Those are great questions, I think. Even people on the podcast platform need to think about. For me, I'm like, oh my gosh. Years ago, probably like 10 plus years ago, I heard I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, this is before podcasts took off. This was just when Instagram started. The Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to ride the media wave of leadership. And so I, I developed a podcast and it took off. It was called Equip the Saints. And I was talking about how do we equip people to do ministry and ministry, meaning not how do we do equip people to do platform ministry, because I don't think that's what Ephesians is talking about. It's saying equip the saints for the work of ministry. How do we equip people to do ministry? Meaning how do we equip people to embrace the lifestyle that Jesus embraced serving, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
walking in signs, wonders, and miracles, being for the poor? How do we teach people how to do ministry that Jesus embodied ministry? Not how do we get people to be a pastor? And so we were, it was a podcast all around that. Like, hey, we're going to talk about um, demonic deliverance. Who's talking about that? <laughs> like, who's going to teach you about exercising a demon? And we've been so westernized that demons are like, that's, uh, that's not even a real thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so there, there's this idea that when I started that, God was, it took off. It did so well. And then God said to me, shut all of it down. So it was, I was in top 100 in all of iTunes. I, from there was number uh, top 10 in Christian podcasts. And then from there, the Lord said, shut it down. I want you to care. I want you to steward your thirst for me over your influence. And so it was recognizing that there could be a distraction here that I had to spend a season of life learning how to make sure is not driving me, that my influence is not driving me, but my thirst for him and that I'm being sent by him into places, not just going into places. And so I think when we're thinking about the digital landscape on podcasts, it's going, all right, how Paul had a handkerchief that healed somebody, an ax. They took his handkerchief and it healed somebody. Like, think of, about that. Like, that is so bizarre. A piece of your clothing, Jesus... They touch the hem of his garment and they were, this woman receives a miracle. There's something about the lifestyle someone can live in God's presence that when they create something or when they put their hands to something, it can carry something other than what they are anticipating. And it's no longer just noise and emptiness. And I think what we're looking for is people who are saturated in the presence of God to then create content and make something and work with Jesus to bring heaven to earth through what they're creating. So that when someone comes in contact with your podcast, the, that they all of a sudden get the freedom, the empowerment, the truth they need to hear, the encounter with God that they were longing for in their heart, that they experience that through what you're creating. And you're not just creating content just to create content, but that you're looking at it as a way to take what is saturated in the presence of God and giving it over to people for them to then have an encounter with God. And I think that's, that's I don't know if that's the common way people look at engaging with digital the digital world. I think they just assume throw stuff online. So earlier, I think you made such a great point for the church engaging online. A lot of people don't think about the persecuted church. A lot of people don't think about people who are just getting internet and have the ability to say, you know, who is Jesus and type that into Google for the first time. But let's talk about people who are all around us in our neighborhoods, maybe people, this might be, you know, some of us who are listening who have the church right down the street from us and maybe we're in a place of apathy. So socially, emotionally, and spiritual, what are the benefits of being in an in-person community that you think you can't get online or that maybe is better for us to get and seek and experience in person? Yeah. Well, you can't wash anybody's feet online. Like, and I think that's prophetic and symbolic that you can't truly get in and learn the dirt and see the dirt that's on their feet and the road that they're walking just purely being online. That you have to have actual contact with them to wash their feet. And so I think there is the benefits for being in person. That was the question, right? Like, like what is the importance of being in person? Well, I think for me, the idea of people gathering together to one, be strengthened in their faith, in their worship to Jesus, that God's presence among them, that we are being built together as a temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what Ephesians says. We, we are being built together. Not I am being built. I am a temple and we are a temple. 
So I, we, this is what we say often in our culture, even around the prophetic. We say this, prophets, we, we, we believe in the ministry of prophets. So prophets do not negate your need to hear God for yourself. And you hearing God for yourself does not negate your need for the prophet's voice. In the same way that other ministries, evangelists should not get rid of your need to learn how to do evangelism and your need to do evangelism does not get rid of the need for evangelists. And so the, when the work of the ministry gets empowered into people, like Ephesians talks about, when that happens, you participate in a ministry that is maybe specialized by someone and you have to, you participate in that. So I think the idea of when when you when someone says I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, I don't need to be with other people. I go, no, you're a temple and we are a temple. You being a temple of the Holy Spirit does not negate your need to be part of the larger temple that God is creating in the earth. And you, what God is creating in the earth as the as the temple when you gather is not negated, does not negate your need to be a, a temple individually. And so these things, Ephesians says, we are being built together. And so there's something about when we come together that God's dwelling, that his presence is experienced in a different way. And it is supposed to be experienced in a different way than when we are by ourselves. It's not saying it's one or the other. It's saying it's both and, and that there's something unique that happens in the gathering of followers of Jesus, whom then worship together. And what God does among them is uniquely different, not right, wrong, or better, uniquely different than what he does when it's just you by yourself. And that is necessary. Your need to get alone with God should never replace your need to be in a community that follows after him. Because vulnerability, confession cannot happen by yourself. You can't baptize yourself. There's these things you cannot do on your own that are because you are part of a real body that knows you. Like you can't go and confess your sin to somebody if you don't have anybody. And then they'll go, oh, I can do it online. Cool. That's one way to do it. Sure. But you sure can't baptize yourself online. Like that's not going to happen. You can't, you can do communion by yourself, but you can't do communion in the family of God by yourself. Like you can participate in your own individual communion moment with God, but the idea that the Lord wants you to take it together, you can't do that by yourself. And so you can do that online participating in a larger church, but I think there's something that you, that communally happens when you're with other people that cannot happen individually. So the, even the idea of you receiving, you walking into a room and receiving the smile and embrace while you're coming out of a hostile world and you're struggling and you're dealing with the sense that you are invisible, that you don't even matter. And you walk into a church setting where followers of Jesus are committed to making sure that every person matters, that the dignity of every person is high on your list. And you walk into the room feeling worthless and you come into a room and someone embraces you, sees you, and then tells you that God sees you. That is so hard to reproduce online. That is so hard to reproduce online. And so there's these touch points that have to happen for the body to be the body. The hand, the feet, all of it has to work together. So there's parts of it that cannot fully exist in the expression God intends them to fully exist online only. It just can't happen that way. You, you are the... I like to look at it as the dimensions of a person are intellectual. So God's not trying to get rid of your mind. He's then your, your spiritual, your intellectual, your emotional, 
God's not trying to neglect your emotions and become a stoic as if the mature Christian faith means you don't have emotions, which is like this weird stoic Christianity that is this idea that if you don't have emotions, you've reached the pinnacle of following Jesus, which for me is just false. And so the idea that you're uh, spiritual, you are intellectual, you are emotional, and then you are social, and then you are physical. So like there's a physical body you have for a reason. Jesus resurrected as a body, not as as a soul. And so the physical body matters. The physical body matters and the physical body matters in the nourishment of connection to other physical bodies. So that is a part of who you are as a human, that you are physical and the physical space matters. If anything that Jesus teaches us about becoming incarnate is that the physical world matters, that the, the Gnosticism that was going around, that the escaping of the physical space, that that doesn't matter. I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that Jesus comes as the word made flesh, revealing that space matters. Physical reality matters to God. And that's why Paul makes this unique explanation of it when he's talking about sexual sin and the effect it has on your actual body. And so that the, there's a uniqueness to our bodies that cannot be just translated digitally. I'm thinking about people who are listening to this who are like, I so agree, but have been just affected by COVID and the reality that it has been on people all over the world. And it's interesting because I took a poll for our audience and 88% of our audience said that they feel as if online church has made it easier to be apathetic about making it to church in person. So for you, what are some questions that you think we should be asking ourselves when we consider skipping in-person gathering? Well, I think you got to, the first question is, do you get to make up what it means to follow Jesus? Do you get to call the shots on what it is to follow Jesus? Because if you do, then there's going to be a lot of things you're going to write off there's going to be a lot of things you're just going to say, oh, that's just not for me. But the reality is you don't get to say what it means to follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus, you give up the right to lead your life. And that means that you follow his way of life and you embrace what your master tells you will help you deal with reality the best. And you, you're going, but it doesn't make sense. And you didn't get to create this path. You didn't get to create this way. He, and for him... The scriptures teach this irreplaceable gathering of people together for your practicing of Jesus's way of life. It is inescapable in the scriptures for the gathering of people in the flesh. So your first question is, do you get to make up the rules that what it means to follow Jesus? And church is an essential part of that. So your, your atrophy has to be laid on the altar. You have to go take that in and go, I feel apathetic. But that should not, it's like any kind of feeling you have. You have to ask yourself, is this going to control me? Or does following Jesus say to me, he is worth every sacrifice? This is me saying, I feel tired to go to church and I don't have a drive. The question you have to ask, is Jesus worth it to you? Is it iffy? And you get to lay your atrophy on the altar and say, Lord, I feel out of it with you. I feel out of it with getting with people. It's easier to have brunch and watch church in my pajamas than it is to be part of the people of God in the flesh. And I have to lay that down because you said there's no other way to do this but to be with the people of God. So I have to lay down some of these preferences that I have. And then what what we do is like obedience is hard for us only when we think we could govern our life better than the Spirit. Like that's the only time obedience becomes difficult is when we think what we would do is better than what the Spirit would lead you into. 
So if he's leading you into church, the thing that's painful is probably the thing that needs to die anyway. And so going, all right, God is giving you new life. And upon that place, you're going to have to let that go. And you're going to have to find that on the other side, you're not going to be stuck with striving. And I'll tell you this, I don't know how often you deal with this with individuals who are on your podcast or individuals in your community, but there is a real struggle for people to sacrifice because of a fear of striving with God and earning something. And the idea that Dallas Willard says this, God is not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. Grace is, and the actual quote is, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. So it's going to cost you something. It's going to take a little bit of effort to get in the church again. So I'd ask that question initially, which is a big question. I think that's across the board. Do you get to determine what it means to follow Jesus? Um, The next question is, what are you truly desiring out of relationship with Jesus? Like, are you, are you just desiring him to stabilize your emotional world? Okay. If that's true, how does he get to do that for you? You don't also get to determine how Jesus ministers to you. You can say, Jesus, I want this in my life. And he's going to say, well, you got to go find a friend. But no, I want my loneliness gone. You're going to have to go find a friend. Daughter, son, you're going to have to go find a friend. Well, I just don't want to be lonely anymore. Okay, let's get you a friend. And so there's elements that you you can't always control how Jesus is going to minister to you. And so there's this element of going, what are you desiring of him? And then asking him his path for that to happen in you. And you may have to stick it out, going to places places and, and church things that initially are awkward for you and feel uncomfortable, but you can't prize your own sense of comfort and ego and dignity over where God's spirit is leading you. So I would ask, like, what are you desiring him to do? And then ask him, how is he going to do that? Like, what's he, what's he thinking here? That's a couple things off the top of my head. Coming out of COVID and then looking at, okay, the church is both in person and alive in our neighborhoods, as well as alive online and on media platforms. And God is using both. And what is your charge? Just to end this conversation, what is your charge to Christians in this season as we're moving out of COVID? Steward, it's stewarding your thirst for God. It's figuring out in your life, how are you taking care of that thirst for God? Because your soul thirsts for God. And if you don't give it God, you'll reach for whatever it, it, you think is going to be the next best thing. So figuring out how do I take this thirst I have for God and make sure that I'm getting alone with him and that I'm actually following him in all ways. Dependency is not only for a platform, but it's for your way of life. How do you follow him and live closely with him and walk closely with him and steward your hunger and then follow where your hunger leads you as you go to church services. And when you're online, let hunger drive you, let go of the dignities and the things that you think need to drive you, but let your hunger for God drive you. And if I'm not mistaken, you just wrote a book about that. Where can people find that book and what is it called? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote a book called The Practice of Being with Jesus. It's to help people get into that intentional time with God for those that want to walk intimately with Him. It's a daily framework, a devotional of sorts that allows you to engage with God in multiple spiritual practices from meditation to silence to reading of scripture to praying scripture, all that stuff. And they can get it on Amazon. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about Can I Say That? Our guests on the show or submit questions and participate in polls, please join us on Instagram at Can I Say That Show? 
We love interacting with our audience and hearing how this show has affected, changed, and challenged you in your own walk. So please join us.